As we begin to reintegrate into the world post-lockdown, we're confronted with the fact that our lives are not the same as they were before 2020. And with that comes the realization that a lot of us have to relearn, rebuild, and restart. Struggling to do so myself, I wondered how other people are able to rise from the ashes of crumbled moments throughout their lifetime. I'm Rebecca Lee, and this is season two. How the fuck did you bounce back? Thank you so much for joining me, Josia. I'm so excited to talk to you because we haven't come up in a hot minute and I'm excited to hear about what's going on in life and then uh, talk about how the fuck you bounce back from shit. So thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. And yeah, it has been a minute. Uh, yeah. So well, let's just, I usually start off with this question. Um, what is a, can you think of a moment in your life, a low point, uh, a struggle, a challenge that you're most proud of overcoming? And it can be childhood, adolescent, adulthood, whatever. Huh. I know wow. it's a big, it's a big question. I know. I try oh to get, get in, get in there. We can start light and then get deep. We can start deep, whatever you want. Yeah. I don't know. It, it kind of depends on the day. Sometimes yeah. I think I'm like, good job getting out of bed. And other times yeah. I'm like, Oh yeah, I totally did lift that mountain when I was 16. I can't believe I got through that. Um, it just, it kind of depends on the day. We'll have to find that moment let's find I, by it. the end of this, by the end of this combo, I think we'll I'll find it. it. So tell me, let's just go back. Where did you grow up? What city? Do you have any siblings? Give me the rundown. All right. Um, I was raised in Wyoming. So okay. my hometown, yeah. And my hometown had about mm, 3000 ish people um three stoplights uh you know my dad at one point was the principal of my high school he was the driver's ed teacher the volleyball coach the track coach um you know just kind of one of those towns where you know people have multiple roles and you know everybody Um, did you like that or no I like it more and more now I think Mm. at the time when I was a kid I think I was a little more angsty and was like people in big cities like they really have it figured out and now I'm like no (laughs) no they don't I know I feel the same way uh okay so are you an only child do you have siblings I do have siblings I have an older sister I have a younger brother and then I have another sibling that I found out about later in life um we're not really close but I mean I definitely like consider them family because they are my blood. Yeah. Do you feel comfortable talking about that at all? Or is that like a little, a little thing to keep to yourself? I mean, I already brought it up. So I know. But, <laughs> wouldn't, that be funny? But, wouldn't that be funny if I was oh, like, but like, we can't I, talk about that. I don't know. We, maybe. Uh, well, when did you, when did you find out about this other sibling? Cause that's, you're the second person I know that I've ever met that has said that. So I think it's like an interesting thing. And like, it's not, obviously maybe it's not common, but it does happen. Like I've, you're the second person I've talked to. I think it's more common than we know. And the mm-hmm. weird thing is you say, okay, I know one other person. This happened to me, happened to me. This occurred in my life sure. on my timeline. Um, I think I had to have been about 24 and I was living in the Virgin Islands and it came up a week after I had a conversation with a coworker who was talking about how she found out she had a sibling via Facebook. And I'm like, that's so crazy. And like, 
Um, I kind of watched how she handled it and the approach she took. And I was like, wow, that'd be crazy. Fast forward like a week and a half. I same shit, same, same way. Someone found me on, on Facebook. Facebook. Totally. Wait, yeah. what happened? Someone reached out to you? Yes. And uh, I get this message and someone tries to add me as a friend. And I think you might know my, my accounts are private. I usually don't add people. I don't know in person unless they're like a friend of a friend that's like, hey, so-and-so said to add me. So, you know, I'm screening people. I'm like, huh. Hmm. And I like click on this person. I'm like, I don't know them. No mutual friends. But as I looked at them, I was like, oh, this person's related to me. There's no way they're not. Like the the resemblance to my older sister was striking. Okay. And I'm like, there's, and then I looked at the age demographic and I'm like, I have another sibling. And I called up the person I was dating and told them that. And they were like, that's jumping to conclusions. That's not, um, you know, you should slow it down a bit. Like, I don't, and I'm like, ah, I just know. And I'm like, and I pointed out all the things that led me to that decision. And lo and behold, when it unraveled further, I did. Um, so wait, how did, what was the, what happened next? Um, I said, do I know you? Oh my and God. Yeah. I, that's a, that's a one thing about me is I don't usually leave the ball in someone else's court. Yeah. Like if, if I have a question, I'm like, okay, let's drive this. And I'm like, Hey, do I know you? Like, why I love, you and I this? love that quality about you. I relate to that, but like, I love a direct, like, let's just like answer the question. You know what I mean? Like, let's just answer the question. We don't need to like flowery language it up and like, I, I, I very okay. much appreciate like a direct, um, so when someone's very direct with me. So I, yeah, I thank you. I, I'm like, I don't know any other way to be. So I was like, Hey, what do I know you? And they're like, uh, do you know? And they say the name of my biological mm -hmm. dad. And I'm like, uh-huh. I'm like, and, and they're like, that's my dad. I've never met him. Okay. This is a lot. That's a lot to receive in a fucking Facebook message. <laughs> It is. And I was like, at the time, it felt even crazier because I was 24. So when you're 24, something happens and it feels like the sky falls, at mm -hmm. least for me. I don't know, maybe the youth are a little more level headed than I was. But I think it's like this load of information. And I was like, this is the biggest, craziest thing in the world. So I I sat with it. And, and then I, I was like, huh, what would I do? if I was in this situation, this could easily be reversed. And so I just said, it's great to meet you. Like, uh, you know, I, I hope that we can be friends. And I, um, you know, answered every question that I could and I welcomed them into my life in, you know, the warmest of capacities that, you know, felt like, it just felt like the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, also it's like, that takes a lot of, for that person to reach out to you. Like, I'm sure, like, that's hard. That's not easy. Yeah. And I think at that age, you know, had, had to have been like hmm, 15, 16. It, it's a really like formative time in someone's life when they're still piecing together their own identity. They're still like, what makes me me? And so you look to family to kind of fill in the blanks. I think at that, especially at that age. Mm -hmm. And, and I knew having been there 10 years prior, um, not in the same capacity, but having been a teenager, I knew how important interactions are at that age. Yeah. And so I just yeah. really tried to be 
as mindful and cognizant of that, you know, was, as. Yeah. Was that like a, like, was it very shocking to you? Like, I don't know your relationship, like with your parents or like, were they still together? Was this super shocking? Was it like kind of understandable? Like what was, fill me in on like how you felt at that time? You know, it's funny. No, it, it wasn't given, um, like my biological dad really wasn't that involved in my life. And he had a history of, you know, addiction and, um, you know, mental illness. And I think, um, what I, I didn't know a lot about him, but what I knew it was kind of like, okay, well, how do I say this? It's like, I just don't think he had a, he didn't have any experience in having family conversations or harder conversations. And I think, you know, if he was the person back then that he is now, it could have gone in a different direction. But I think he was of that school of thought where, you know, well, that's the past. It's over. I handled it in the moment. And it's, that's that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I tried is, to is, kind of. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, is this, so your biological dad, is this the one who like was the principal of your school or is that, is that a different person? No, very okay. different. Okay. 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 So that okay. would be shocking. I'd be like, what? Right. That's it's why I was like, is different. it that person? Okay. So, okay. Okay. So you grew no. up with not your biological dad. Yeah. I grew up with my stepdad from the Got time it. that I can remember. Uh, that would have been shocking. That would be like the earth's caving in because the, he's so consistent. My stepdad, whereas like biological dad, it was just sort of like, well, I mean, I guess he could have made that choice. You know, that it made sense. It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. How did that affect you at the time? Because you're 24. Where were you living? Virgin Islands. Oh, right. And we don't talk about why you were in the Virgin Islands because that's <laughs> that's rad too. Right. Um, I hated being cold. And so I was like, how do I make money, stay warm and make friends? And I had an opportunity and it checked all three of those boxes and I took it. That's really what brought me there. And um, I did seasonal work in the Virgin Islands for two years to avoid snow, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's so fun, though. It was good. Yeah. Um, I, to answer your question about how it affected me at the time, um, I don't know. I think there's elements. Anytime you find something out that affects your identity, I think because being a sibling is an identity, being a family is an integral part of people's identity I think I felt betrayed so it wasn't like it wasn't I think what would have been a positive revelation had it been a genuine surprise I I think it would have had a more optimistic spin but I think because of the element of being left out of the loop time lost that I could never have gotten back um, missing out on a relationship that could have been, I think those are the things that for me, I felt, mm, I I felt it should have been brought up much, much sooner. And I didn't like the way that I found out. Mm -hmm. I I didn't feel like it should have been raised by the sibling. I felt like it should have been raised by the parents like this. Hey, by the way, this is a decision I made. This is, you know, like it, it just felt like it came out of left field and so I had to interpret the information that way. You know, yeah. I think they could have gotten ahead of it. Yeah. Do you do you feel like that has affected you long term in terms of like it sounds like 
and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like there was a, you felt, um, like you said the word betrayed and like, maybe like there was some trust that was broken. I'm assuming that, but yeah, I, 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 that's accurate. I feel like, um, I mean, long-term, I think it made me more, um, I don't know what impact it had other than I'm a lot more understanding for people who've gone through it. Like it gave, it did, uh, I think, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I can't really, I haven't, haven't seen that long-term effect yet. Maybe I've never thought about it. Yeah. That's like a, yeah, that's a huge revelation. And you're talking about like identity a lot. Do you feel like, has that been an easy thing for you to, um, figure out about yourself? That's been a journey. I, yeah. <laughs> um, I, for me I, too. I'm, that's why I bring it up. <laughs> right. And I think, um, what's interesting, at least this morning, my, one of my car in traffic thoughts was so much of identity has to do with attachment and what we're attached to in the moment, um, or in a specific give any given period of time. And that's integral to the identity we have. Um, and then my friend, Mike, we were talking about this over coffee today. Um, he said that, um, you know, for example, like his wife is a model mm-hmm. and, you know, for, she's been the same look, same weight, same everything for years. And he, couple years ago she was too small to be plus size but too big to be but because the because popular culture has shifted in its in its definition of what that means now she's in that sweet spot and she's working all the time and the conversation that led to is I was like it wasn't that she wasn't what she currently is it's that it took society or the lens that, you know, time to catch up. And I think, you know, being ahead of, I don't know, I'm going to phrase the story, but being ahead of the zeitgeist in something, mm-hmm. um, I think that's, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I could go off on this. Yeah, no, that's the thing about being in entertainment or being an artist or anything in that world is that like, sometimes it's not that you whatever you're creating, whether it's like you're, whether you're the brand or the art you're making or whatever, it's sometimes it's not that that's not good. It's that like society hasn't caught up to that yet. And I think like, that's hard to remember in the moment as artists being like, oh, I'm not, it's easy. It's easy to take that. It's easy to take, oh, I'm not finding quote unquote success. I'm going to quit versus like I'm gonna stick it out because society will catch up to it to to this eventually but it's so hard you really have to just like stick it out which isn't easy it is hard and to bring it back to like more of an I like a kind of micro level identity level it's like you can be in a relationship with your family and uh you know have an opinion or have a personality trait and it might take grandma 10 years to see that oh this is you know it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that (laughs) I don't know it's yeah it doesn't mean that that you're like bad or like yeah you know I say bad but that's just like you know what I mean yes end quotes yes exactly yeah totally um yeah that's so interesting to think about um yeah it happens on that like individualized scale it happens within families and then that also happens in artistry and um 
kind of social movement. It's everything, which mm-hmm. I just think it's human to where if you're innovating, if you're um, growing, which we all are, um, I think, yeah, <laughs> there's that. It's such a fine line because it's like you want to do what is currently popular so you get you get paid right but also you don't want to compromise your vision uh so it's like how do you you know what I mean it's like how do you balance that yeah I wonder I think if you know if we lined up a hundred people who had completed projects that we viewed as smashing successes I think that there would be that story arc in most of them I think that you know there's and everyone would probably have a different approach they took and maybe there'd be overlap but I think uh I think that'd be a good uh a little yeah because I feel like I feel like was it squid game or something that was like on the they were working on it for like seven years or something and they were like no this isn't 10 10? I think it was 10 and they were told no 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 and um then it's like yes 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 and just to that point I was doing a show um I had said, I think we should subtitle this scene. Um, It was my creative suggestion. And they said, absolutely not. People don't read subtitles. And I pushed back creatively and said, you know, I beg to differ. Squid Games just hit number one. And and they were like, touche. And so (laughs) subtitles ended up going in. I, So, I mean, but I think people forget uh, (laughs) that. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, we did watch Squid Games and it was subtitled. You're right. Like, I think, I don't think it was like a deliberate, no, we don't want to do this. I think they just forget like, wait, we can do that. Yeah. And then from like a business standpoint, it's like knowing what to push back on and what to like let go, which I think is like very hard to discern between those two things too. Um, Tying it back because you're a TV producer, you're doing like what are you doing now? Talent, talent influencer manager is what is on your, is on your Instagram bio, but I need to know, like, what does that entail? How did you get into producing? How did you make this change? I want to know all the career stuff. Okay, sweet. Let's see if I can even make sense of it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) For the past, um, like six years or so, I was um, producing TV, like exclusively, like not doing anything else, only making shows Um, unscripted. So like, documentary true crime doing like car shows doing you know lots and lots of you know talk shows shit like that I did um that and then it before that I had been at a talent agency um so working under the CEO I'd worked in the digital department I worked in the literary department um so that was representation on the agency side um and now I'm like okay done a bunch of shows kind of sick of that grind right now I'm like I need something I need a little change I like people I like talent how do I I I love career building I love all of that project-oriented stuff so I'm like how do I find that sweet spot and so right now I'm managing influencers for a brand okay cool and how how is that like what do you what is your day-to-day like how because that sounds very challenging for me, mostly because I like, I'm truly right now. I'm like, I need to find someone to run my social media page because like, I don't have any interest in it. And like, I don't know about you, but if I don't have interest in a thing, it will never get done. If I love the thing, I will, I will fight for it. But if I don't want to do it, it's never going to happen. So I'm like, Oh, how do you, yeah. 
that's interesting to me and I'll challenge you on it for just a second. Challenge I don't think a lot of people have interest in brushing their teeth, but they do it twice a day. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's one of those things that like, if you don't have an interest in it, like you don't have to love it to do it. It, I think there's things where you're like, okay, this is a daily task of living. I put the same energy into it as I do with brushing my teeth or combing my hair. Um, there's, you know, I'm sure if you get a new toothpaste, it's exciting for a week or whatever, but it's like, <laughs> you can find ways to like trick your brain into doing shit. But I think for tasks that like don't excite us, I still think mm, I, I'm kind of one of those people that doesn't subscribe to that. I have to love it to do it and be mm-hmm. good at it. There's plenty of shit that you do every day that you're not even thinking about that you're good at that you don't think about. So it's like, I don't know. I, I feel like there's ways to, to hack that. Yeah, I need to <laughs> I need to take a class from you on how to hack that uh, big time. <laughs> uh, so what is your like, how do you manage influencers? It's what does interesting. that look like? Yeah, because it looks different depending on where you're at. But from right. the brand perspective, um, you have, so I inherited like a built-in team. And they do many things for the brand. And you also try to help them in their own career. So it's less traditional than like being a manager at three arts or something like that. Like mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a new world, but your your day just looks like a lot of organiz- organizing mm-hmm. stuff, making sure like every, there's a lot of mouths to feed. So you really want to spend a certain amount of time on everybody um looking at their long-term plan like what's their you know five-year plan what's what are they doing this year what are they doing this month what are they doing this week there's just a lot of like scoping out and then going in to see yeah that takes like it feels like that takes so much so many different parts of your brain because it's like not only is it creative but you also have to be good at like organization which that's like, that's hard to be able to do both of those things. So that's it is. Yeah. And I think with TV producing too, like, I mean, it would depend on the role, but like I have a location manager skill set too, which is pure logistical. Um, So it's like, you have that logistical side. There is a logistical side to management, you know, it's scheduling, it's administrative, it's boring, it's legal paperwork it's stuff like that. But then there is that creative component of, you're dealing with an artist, you're dealing with living projects that are evolving and changing, you're dealing with visions that need to be um, honored from both the creative perspective, but also the brand perspective. And also from the, if there's another entity involved, you're you're taking those things into account. Um, it's, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's a, a lot. lot. It's a lot. What made you, because I know you said, um, you wanted to like kind of get into a different area because you were were you burned out of doing like tv producing stuff or you just like wanted to change I like a lot of people like don't say that but just to be real yeah I'd been doing it you know 70 80 90 hours a week for years and I you know I love it and I think there's nothing more exciting than completing a project and working on something that everybody likes and all that but I think at some point it's really good for anybody to mix something up. Like just to be like, okay, done that. I need to shift focus. And and it's something that you can always go back to. There's always going to be shows you can make. There's always going to be, you know, a great team out there who needs help. So to me, this goes back to identity and attachment from earlier. I had to ask myself, is my identity tied to I'm a TV producer? Right. And I think so many people, especially in LA, and when you work so hard to get a certain 
place in your career, it's really easy to say, I am my career. And I had to say, I'm not my career. This is not the only thing I can do. I've done a billion other jobs, you know, from scooping ice cream to, you know, writing to whatever. It's like, I've done, so am I, so, and I'm like, I never pigeonholed myself with that job. So why this one? And that really allowed me the freedom mentally to say, yeah, I, I can go do talent management for a while. You know, I yeah. really want to learn it and get good at it and see what it is. Yeah. Was that like a hard decision to make? Because like you said, we do attach ourselves to our identity a lot, um, which is like, it's hard. It's so hard not to do that, but it's so vital. Like you said, to like detach ourselves from making our career, our, our identity, but was that process and, um, kind of detaching yourself from making that your identity and, and going down this new path? Was that a hard decision to make for you? Yes and no. I think I knew I had an interest and I was like, this is interesting to me. And the more interested I became in it, the more I was like, okay, what would that look like for me? And I think it became hard when I was talking about how excited I was about it. And I told my former boss um, from the, one of the talent agencies I worked at, and he's like, this doesn't make any sense for you. Like you're killing it at producing, you're you're doing this. And I'm like, yeah, but um, that doesn't mean that I, <laughs> yeah, like they, they weren't enthusiastic about my new um, choice. And I think, uh, that made me second guess for a moment being like, wait, you know, but him and I have the type of friendship to where it's okay to, for us to be honest. And, you know, for him, it didn't make sense because he couldn't see all the time I'd spent researching, um, this career change, how all the time I'd spent thinking about doing X, Y, and Z. So I think, um, yeah, when he kind of brought up, oh, I don't really see why you're making this choice or wanting to make this choice. It, it didn't make it harder for me, but it did. I, I reevaluated what I had gone over and it made me more solid. Actually, I was like, oh, really? no, I, I definitely did the research. I definitely know I want this. Even if I am considering these other things he's talking about, I, it made me more solid now that I'm thinking about it out loud. Yeah. Which is like, which is like hard, but, but incredible that it did, because I feel like for a lot of people, if, if someone that was their former boss, which I'm assuming like if you have that power dynamic, you probably like look up to that person in some capacity. Um, if, if they were to say like, Oh, I don't see this for you. A lot of people would be like, okay, you're right. And like, maybe not take the, take the jump and take the leap. But for you to be like, Oh, it actually made me feel stronger about the decision. Like that's incredible. And I'm just curious of how you cultivated this, um, ability to like know yourself so well that when, a critique or not that this was a critique or a criticism, but when that does come up in your professional life, or I guess your personal life too, how are you able to be like, oh, actually you're not correct about this thing. And I'm going to continue down the path that I am. That's a good question. I think in this instance, it was easy because even if he didn't like immediately say, yes, this is the thing for you. Cause I have friends that do that. They instantly get it. They jump right there. I think one of the reasons that friendship and relationship is so important to me is that, you know, he takes a really specific stance and it's consistent. So, and I know it isn't like him trying to throw me off or make me second guess myself. It's like, he's coming at it from a really specific angle. 
And because I know how his brain works, he, he's usually pretty linear. Um, to him, it, it, I could see why it didn't make sense. Uh, so I guess it, it took not feeling, hmm, this might be a broader thing, but I think, uh, if someone feels attacked or if I was going to him for validation, let's say, if I was Mm. going to him to say, I've made this choice and don't you think it's a great idea and I need you to sign off on it and that's going to make it more valid for me, that would have hurt if he would have been like, no, this doesn't work. But I think because I didn't offer it up, like this is only good if you sign off on it. And it was more like a, I've been thinking about this and this is why. And then he honestly said, well, that to me, that doesn't make sense for you because this, I I think it's really easy for me to have that distance and say, well, from his perspective, of course it doesn't make sense. Cause the last conversation we had, I was on a show, I was doing this. I, so I'm just looking at it from based off the last interaction we had and where he saw my career trajectory going, um, I guess it was just getting into his perspective and filling him in on why it led me there. And he was like, oh, well, I didn't know that. Like, that makes more sense now. And so I, I don't know. I think there's a certain base level of respect that has to be there. Um, and I wasn't going to him to validate it. Right. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you were going to someone to get some sort of validation and you didn't receive um, the answer that you wanted? Of course. And I think, um, I think what's important there is that people look, I can get butthurt about something, but at the end of the day, I still have to take accountability for the fact that I brought it in wanting a certain outcome. And I may as well give somebody a script if I want them to say exactly what I need them to say in that moment. And there's certain friendships and certain relationships where you can say hey guess what you're about 10 miles off from where I need to be you right now please listen like there's certain people in your life where you can who can do that with me who I can do that with them and you can make that adjustment in that moment the trust is built the respect is there that can happen um other times it's like if it's if that person is not important enough and close enough with you to be able to do that why would I be telling them something that would impact my life or my well-being that much? Like, yeah, I, you know, so I think some of it is I try to take accountability on who's getting access to that type of emotion or energy of mine. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it's like, like considering the source of the information almost, um, which is so important, but it's, hard to remember that if you're like super passionate about the thing and you want everybody to get on board with it but like remembering that they come from everybody comes from different walks of life and they have different thoughts in their heads and but I I'm just so impressed at how you um how you know yourself and you don't give a and, and this is from me which is like you know I, I could be assuming things but it seems like like you know who you are uh, you know what you want and you don't give a fuck if, if people, it's like, if you jump on board, great. If you don't want to jump on board, great. But it seems like you're very self-assured in like who you are and what you want. Is that, am I like in the ballpark? Yeah, I think that's accurate, but I, I think, um, it's easy to look at like the outside part. And what I want people to know is that, yes, I'm confident. Yes. I prioritize, I prioritize my needs and myself. But I think what people don't see when someone is direct and they are confident is the deep vulnerability 
and sensitivity required to know yourself, you have, you really know yourself to be confident, you know, where you mess up, you know, where you fall short. And so it takes so much vulnerability to advocate for yourself because you really do know every place where, where you could jump ahead or fall short, or I don't know, it's people will look at someone that's brassy and just assume, Oh, it's always been that way. Um, but oftentimes it comes from lots and lots of opportunities where you really were like, I should have said this, or, you know what, I didn't, they, I really felt like that meeting didn't go the way I needed it to. And I, they, they walked away not knowing what I really wanted. And I think when you've been through enough situations like that in your life, as we all get to at a certain point, you have to take the reins and say, look, I can't control the outcome, but I sure as hell can control my narrative and my portion of what's mine to control. Yeah. I relate to that so much too, because I feel like I am viewed at, and it's because of what I put out there, right? It's not like I'm, I'm like, well, how, why do people think this of me? I'm like, well, no shit. I'm aware. Like I put out a very like strong, um, opinionated, assertive thing, but you're totally right. And that like, that comes from a place of vulnerability, um, which is not talked about enough. It's not. And I, I think, I don't know. I also see like the fetishization of strong women. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, you see like, oh, she's a warrior and like, she's a sword <laughs> yeah. and she's chopping people into bits. And I'm like, yeah, that's not, uh, sometimes being strong is actually a more silent thing. Sometimes it's just, it's not engaging in the fight. Sometimes it's um, putting the attention on the person who did the the hard quiet work behind the scenes who usually gets overlooked like strength looks a lot different than it's portrayed in an archetypal um action movie and i think uh america specifically has a really there's a lens that we like to (laughs) look at it through and i don't know there's a lot more nuance to it oh yeah big time it reminds me of i saw this like i think it was a meme or something but it was like imitating someone writing a script being like oh well we can't like show we can't we can't figure out a way to show this how the strong this woman is so let's just play cherry bomb uh in in her introduction (laughs) and then everybody will know and I was like that's truly like how how it is and it's like there, like you said there's so much more nuance than that right and for you to get to a place where you're like you know hey I um you know I want to have a podcast I want to talk to people I want to interview that's hard to do People don't think about the steps like now it's easy for you because it's in motion and, you know, you can do it with your eyes closed. But I think I am I right where when you had the idea, maybe you wrestled with, well, who am I to have that conversation? What if I mess up? Like those wrestling thoughts that everybody has before you take that leap into that next step that's there for everybody. And so that confidence you have is earned. (laughs) You have a right to say, well, this is. I, from my experience, this is what it looks like because it does. So it's like to trust that I think is critical. Yeah. I mean, the first season of this podcast was literally called how the fuck did you get so confident? And it was because I didn't have the confidence. And I was like, how, I need to like talk to people who seemingly are very confident, which really did show me that like confidence is not the, the most opinionated or loudest or friendliest or warmest person in the room that confidence looks in so many different it's 
it's not as like cliche as as we think it is it's there's so many other aspects to confidence yeah and I think I don't know if confidence has the same subjective quality that beauty does Mm. but I think there is a confidence shows up in different ways and it takes being confident to recognize when someone's confident Mm -hmm. because I I'm sure you can do this I can spot arrogance and fake confidence really quickly oh yeah and a lot of people can't like they can't tell the difference between posturing or um they're like oh they're so confident I'm like "Mm, they're actually not like you know you can actually see it Um, I mean I for sure have developed that like I think when I honestly before the pandemic before I started this podcast I don't know like I think I had an idea of it but I wasn't too sure of it but now I'm like oh yeah I can spot it from a mile away and I think like even having the podcast, just like talking about the podcast, it's like, it's not even the fact that uh, it's not even the conversations that I have that are helping me. I mean, that's the reason I started with podcast was like a selfish thing. Cause I wanted to be more confident. I do get help from tips and tricks and talking to people, but also just learning a new skill. I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. I didn't know how to work. I didn't have any of this equipment. I didn't know what I was doing. I've never edited anything before. And so I think that like, I know we weren't really talking about this but like to build your confidence it's really helpful to like learn a new skill and be like absolutely fucking did that you know absolutely and to witness yourself learning it I think a lot of people will check out of their own process while they're experiencing it and I think if you can sit with yourself while you're learning something and watch where you frustrate and watch where there's those moments where you surprise yourself you're like "Ooh, I fucking got that faster this time I think you know really you know, people are like, you need to love yourself. It's like, I think that starts with having an actual relationship with yourself and being present. Oh my like, God. Yeah. Every day you are literally doing something brand new. I don't care if it's a routine. It's still, you didn't do it today. And so it's like, there's, there is an opportunity for innovation. There's an opportunity to improve. There's an opportunity to fuck it up. There's an opportunity for it to go in a different direction, like everything. And when people really hone in on that they start creating from the present like I don't know it's pretty pretty magical (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah how how have you developed this presence with self um have you always had this quality or is this something that like you've had to work on and if so like how how do you work on it or how have you in the past you know I spent uh I had neglectful parents no (laughs) No, uh, I think I just had a really, uh, I did spend a lot of time kind of alone as mm-hmm. a kid. I spent a lot of time um, doing activities, like f- having to figure stuff out on my own. Yeah. And I think there comes a certain point in your life where you realize you're with yourself, you know, like you start journaling or you start writing or you start creating something. And I think I don't know what age the brain develops where you realize that your consciousness is connected to you. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. you just, you realize like, oh, I, I'm doing this. This is me, you know? And I think that made me um, as a kid realize, well, I don't like that or, oh, I like this. And then really just sort of figuring out I don't know that discovery 
I don't know. I'm still discovering shit about myself. Where I'm oh, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There, I've yeah. never thought about this out loud. It's coming across as very ethereal. I, I'll find a way when we hang up to like <laughs> condense it into one sentence. I'll be like, yeah. wait, what I meant was Text this. me and then I'll add a little, this is what, <laughs> just, you just text me. Um, uh, yeah. Do you do like, like on a, in a, like a daily practice sense, do you like, do you do therapy? Do you meditate? Do you, cause just talking to different people, everybody has their own way of being with themselves and developing a trust with themselves. And it just looks different for everybody. So I'm wondering like how you're like, how that affects your day to day. I, I definitely meditate. Um, I have a little meditation teepee in my room. I always liked meditating. Um, I journaled a ton as a kid. Like I kept a diary from the time I could write. Um, I I saw that in movies and I also know that my mom kept one and I remember she had doodles. I definitely read it. And there were <laughs> you should honestly just like find that journal and do uh uh like Instagram reading. reading. Yeah. Just break into my parents' home. Yeah. I have a friend who used to be like super Christian and she has a journal of her being like Jesus would not be proud of me today and she'll like read her old journal entries and she's like so embarrassed by it and I'm like this is funny shit anyway and exactly and it's like I kept a um a journal like we're talking from like first grade and I think that I can't looking back that was such a huge factor in reflection self-reflection separating my identity from other people's because whether I knew it or not, I was writing my experience, which, you know, now as an adult, they tell you how important it is to do that. So I'm glad that I had that growing up. Um, yeah. Then- because like, I feel like during that age specifically, it's easy for people, for kids to be like, well, I want to fit in. So I'll do what everybody else is doing. But it sounds like when you're journaling, you had a chance to figure out like what you liked and what you didn't like, instead of just doing what everybody else did, which is like, I I wish I had done that. It sounds like it was very helpful and informative for you. It was. And there was this website, this is aging me, but like a live journal. I I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 That was what I spent my time on. There was no Instagram. And so it was like, what I loved about that site, um, you know, I still had my nightly journal, but this was more of a community of journaling. And it was in its original state, it was pure journaling. And then you found quote unquote friends online who are like reading about your life. And, um, you know, at that age, you're, it's pure stream of consciousness. There is no, I'm trying to get branded deals. There is no, oh, I'm writing this with the, you know, and it was anonymous. So I could write every dark thought, every, and there were like little star emojis or things that like happy Mm -hmm. thought I had that would go with that. There's music you could put to it it was really like just an interactive journal. And I'm still friends with people that I met on that site in real life. Incredible. I could say that. I know. Like I don't have, I never like made internet friends. I think I like barely missed that like moment where it happened, but I have friends who are like, oh yeah, we like met on Tumblr or MySpace or live journal. And like, we've been friends and it's like 20 years. And like, I just think that's so incredible. And like, I love that it was anonymous. I didn't know that. Um, cause that it really could, like be, makes, it, it gives you be. like safety, you know? Yep. It could be anonymous. And there were, I had an anonymous account. Um, but yeah, I for, that brought me back. That was another, and then sometimes you'd read about, you know, 
you could just scroll through and read a random person's journal. And sometimes it was so interesting. And sometimes it was so sad. Or, you know, I could, you could like change it. I think you could go to like, oh, what's someone in Germany doing? Like, it, Damn. it was just, it felt to me like the beginning of, you know, connecting on a bigger level. See, like, that's the type of social media I could get behind, you know, right. not that like, I, I know I'm going to, I'm going to go on a social media rant, but like that, like that I could get behind that. Cause like, it's the authentic authenticity that I like, I very much like, I mean, it's why I have a podcast. I love talking to people about the, just themselves. Um, it's so interesting to me. And I feel like we connect better than, um, than like photos on Instagram, but you know, I could be wrong. That's just like my opinion about it. No, I think you're right. I think that Instagram, is fun, but it's such a limited media and it changed. Like if you go back to your first ever Instagram post and compare it to your last one, like none of us are, look, I could hate on people who are, um, what is it? Orchestrating an image. Is that the right word? Um, sure. but it, uh, if you go back to your first three posts to your last three posts, I guarantee we're all influenced by the aesthetic overhaul that Instagram pushed us to mm -hmm. you know we're all be yeah it, it just that's by nature we're social creatures and if the rules are changing in this social arena that we are interacting with by default we're going to follow those rules and so I think it's a really limited interaction and no it did lose a lot of its purity yeah and also it's like as if you're a self-employed person an entrepreneur your own business then you do kind of have to have a brand if you want to get jobs or if you want to sell whatever. And so like in my head, I'm, I'm curious to know your thoughts on having like two Instagram pages, like one that's private, that's actually you. And then one that's brand specific or, cause you seem like very, very savvy in terms of social media. So I'm just curious about your opinion on that. Thanks. Um, what my, my professional opinion on that is yes. Mm -hmm. And my personal opinion on that is yes, because yeah. I think <laughs> Uh, I think it's important to, cause look, there is, if you are representing a brand and you're, um, I, I think if you're like, okay, I have this specific business. If I have a podcast business and the business is that of interviewing people, having authentic conversations, doing this, it's really easy for it to take up your entire life and be the only thing that gets the focus. I think when you, compartmentalize it into a, this is a business page. This is a business venture. This is where I have all things related to this project. I think it's very freeing. Um, you know, and then if you wanted to post about it on your personal page, then it's authentic and you're not mm -hmm. plugging it there. You're not needing people, you know, it's separate from, I, I prefer it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something I need to do because like, I'm over here complaining, like, what's well, not authentic. It's like, well, fucking then have one that is, and then have one that's for your brand. And you can, and it's completely authentic to say, I want more people to hear this. I feel, and then you'd feel confident, like, um, with, you know, and more, maybe more free in promoting it because it's, sh and shamelessly, because it's, this is a business page. This is where mm. you do that. Whereas if it's your personal page, I can see being like, because people, if they're your friends, that's not the only thing you talk to them about. That's right. not the only facet of your personality. Mm -hmm. So I think it could feel like, oh, I'm becoming one dimensional, which is not the case at all in reality. So I think having a business page allows you to 
actually broaden department-wise yeah. broaden. I think you're no I think you're totally I think you're completely right um have you experienced like any negative sides of social media whether it's like some some type of bullying or like critique on what you do and like has that bothered you has it not how have you dealt with it it's funny I was talking about this today with my friend Mike um me and he, Mike me and Mike, me and Mike we, had a, hang. we had a good chat like him and I both did the whole BuzzFeed thing. Like mm. he was working at BuzzFeed and like back in the day I did BuzzFeed videos and it was back in that beginning stage where you couldn't throw a rock and not hit BuzzFeed. Sure. It, it like, it became that first, I don't know, wave. Yep. And we, we were talking about, I said, no, there's the number of times where I had some 15 year old kid go on like one of my videos and say, I looked like a man or that I was fat. I was like, what yep you know these and I'm like they live in their parents basement exactly and they're I I think and I said and he's like yeah that's fucked up because it's so not true and it's also like he's like I didn't ever really get critiqued on my appearance as much he said someone said that I moved my eyebrows too much when I talked uh <laughs> yeah I wonder if that's a gender gender thing Definitely. Like they actually did a whole video series of BuzzFeed with like the comments and how, when it came to women, it was so vitriolic and vicious. On really? Absolutely. None of it was about the content. It was all like how. And that's the shit that is so disheartening. You know, it's like, you want to be authentic and genuine, but then that it, it you, it's not, it's, like, it's not fair, but it's not fair. And it's, so it's- not. How do you, and how she, did you deal with it? How do you deal with it? How do you carry on and keep going and be like, well, I don't fucking care. I think it was like, when you read a comment that's like, like that, I think for me, and luckily, you know, I was, a, you know, I'm a couple years older than like a 21 year old that just started there. It's like, I also had, again, I think I just stronger in my identity and what matters to me. Um, and I wasn't going onto those videos to get validation. I was going into them to have fun. Mm. So I think um, to me, when you, when you do something fun, like, here's a good example. If you're out at, you know, a bar with your girlfriends and you're out and it's girls night and you're having fun and you're dancing and you're just being weird and saying what you want. And someone's like, why are they having so much fun? you're not like, oh, we should stop having fun because mm-hmm. that person is in a bad mood and they're trying to talk shit about us. It's like, it's actually kind of funny. You're like, you're so on the other end, mean person that like, you don't even register to me. So I think because of the energy that I brought to it when someone was like, oh, you look like a man in a wig. I'm like, oh, do I look like a man in a wig? Like, I know I don't. So it was just funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I were going into it being like I'm really nervous and I hope everybody likes me and did they you know I don't know maybe that's why I've never really picked it apart uh did I answer the question yeah yeah yeah. what do you do like (laughs) yeah no 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 that's you definitely did um does that do you experience that now like at all now with your social media like any sort of um negativity at all my accounts are private um so it's like okay the majority and they have been since buzzfeed uh the second uh uh actually i locked them up because of buzzfeed like someone this is like 10 what nine or 10 years ago yeah like someone sent me like a mat they were like masturbating or like doing you know dick pics <gasps> yeah like creepy shit where i was like well now we're private for the rest of 
<laughs> yeah. Oh like, my God. I can't. Like, and you've ruined it forever. No. Yep. Yeah. I, no, seriously, though. Yeah. So I think that I saw that type of, and it was such a small thing, but it was like, I mean, not the dick. I'm sure, I don't remember what it looked like. <laughs> but maybe it was. Uh, but I'd say. <laughs> But I think I was like, dude, I'm not going to deal with, I'm not inviting this energy into my life. Like, mm. thing. and I kept my accounts private. Um, and I kind of have a rule where I don't usually add somebody I don't know, unless mm. it's a friend of a friend that, you know, and they reach out and it's like a legitimate reason. Um, maybe I'll change that someday. But I think, I feel like I'm in a good, and I'm glad I did that because it, I am in such a good spot where I'm like, I do not care <laughs> what somebody says. I I don't, um, but I think if I were more tender or if like tenderhearted or just starting out or, or didn't have a good support system or like that shit, it, that vitriolic shit gets in even the most confident person's head. Right. It is hateful because like, don't they do that study with plants where they're like, fuck you to a plant. <laughs> and they're like, I love you to a different plant. And like what? one of them grows and like one of them dies. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't know this, but all right. That's good to know. You know, it's like, I'll find the study and send it yeah, to you. That's like, so interesting. And I think it can be, and sometimes people rise above shitty energy, blah, blah, blah. But I think if you can minimize unnecessary negativity in your life it's best to do it and if you have a really easy way to do that do it you can actually filter out the type of comments you get mm -hmm. um because occasionally someone will repost something and I've had people like try to add me and it'll say this message is blocked based off your word choices so like the words slut big boobs uh Damn. certain sexualizing words that I yeah I'm like, I don't want to hear somebody you know of course like buy me dinner before you talk to me that way <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so it's like um there's you can block certain words like and so every now and then I'll get like messages that are it shows that they've been blocked I don't know what they've said because it mm -hmm. takes care of that but I I think if I were someone that had like a huge following and like I would absolutely be utilizing the fuck out of that. Yeah. I was going to ask you, like, what do you tell the, like the influencers that you manage? Like, how do you tell them to deal with negative comments or sexual comments or like anything like that? But it sounds like filtering out word choices or. That's one way, but I think like reduce that's effective for me, but I think if it's like, it kind of depends on, I would start with what is this hitting on? Because usually when something hits or triggers, it's not about what that person said. It's attached to something else. And that goes back to like our relationship with attachments. And I think it's really, really, really important to not give, for me to not give blanket advice about what worked for me in a certain situation. Sure. And for someone to really encourage somebody to go back to the root cause of like, why does this bother you? And then like unraveling it. And then when you know, unraveling it even further and saying, okay, how do I take my power back in this situation? What are my actual options? What is mine to control? And you cannot control what other people say to you, but you certainly can control many variables and your next choices. And I think it, that's important because anytime someone has told me, well, that shouldn't bother you, just block them. It doesn't address that like 
no, something just ting, like something really hurt. So I think it's, I think it's important to do that preemptive stuff and then make the choice. And for me, the choice was don't let perverts message me on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> and that was very effective. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, I was having this conversation the other day about like mental health stuff and about, um, medication, mental health medication specifically, because I am, um, I'm on mental health medication. It's not a shock or surprise. I've talked about it many times on this podcast. Um, but I do believe that I would, if I'm on medication, I also need to be in therapy because that reminded me of like, Oh, just block them and move on in my head. It's kind of like, Oh, we'll take your antidepressant and move on. But it's like, well, we also need to deal with the underlying thing. Um, absolutely. And I think, that's why what works for me, well, I can say, oh yeah, it's a similar situation in this. It, I, I, again, I think it's like, just like I could, maybe it goes back to our thing on confidence. It's like outwardly, like taking your medication and doing therapy is the answer, right? But you're actually doing a lot more than that. You know, it's not just these two actions. It's the work that you did in between the sessions. It's the, I don't know, it, like there's yeah. like, it's, yep. There's a lot more that goes into it. So just taking blanket advice and saying, well, because I'm sure there's plenty of people that take their medication and they're like, well, how come it's not working? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so I think it's like, well, there's more steps. There's, you know, and it could, you got to do what works for you. It's Mm -hmm. like if someone, you know, yeah, uh, there's just, it's, we want to give like a quick, fix answer, but sometimes it's a little bit more complicated. Yeah. I mean, we live, I feel like we live in an instant gratification society at this point, like given our, the internet and social media, like just everything is very much like do it, uh, like text messaging, getting in touch with people. It's like, uh, we want that quick fix, but like not always, not always the answer. No. And it's like, there's also like a, you can tell when someone's wanting you to hurry with something. Like, I don't know, it's like being a kid at the drinking fountain and you know when mm. everyone's like, hurry up. It's like sometimes you would take just a little bit longer to, to like get your drink because you knew that someone was rushing you. Mm-hmm. And I think the same is true if someone's, well, you know what, Rebecca, hurry up and feel less sad. Just take your medication and go for a run and now it's over. It's like, I think that that's, there's a dismissiveness yeah. that's innate in that. And I think that is triggering. Yeah, you're that's completely I I completely agree with you. Um well, we are nearing our hour of talking. Absolutely a treat. I am so grateful that you have given me an hour of your time. Um is there anything that if someone's going through a low point right now in their lives and I know that this is going to be more of a blanket statement and something that has worked for you specifically, but is there something that has been helpful in your journey? when you feel down or like depressed or any, you faced a challenge, you don't know if you can overcome it. Is there anything that has been helpful for you in your life? Yeah. Validate yourself first. Like your track record of getting through even the hardest things. If you're alive, it's pretty good. Like, so you're still there. You have the tools, take a minute, take a breath and it's going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah. Remember who the fuck you are remember who the fuck you are. (laughs) Uh, Thanks again. This has been amazing. I love you. Love you. Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back with guest Josia Elliott. 
Josia is a television producer. She's currently a senior talent influencer manager. You can find her on Instagram. Her handle is Josia Elliott. Thanks again for listening. New episodes every Thursday. <laughs>